And what's good, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of I'm Until Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. It's been a long time, three months and a day to be exact. Nice to have you with us here on your favorite little sports talk podcast featuring uh, your boy, Jai Shields. We've got a lot of stuff to talk to you today. Uh, talk about my Baltimore Orioles and why they are a, laugh, a national laughing stock in the sport of Major League Baseball. I'll touch on Bryce Harper being overrated and the fact that, like it or not, Mike Trout is not a winning baseball player. I'll touch on, I'll recap the things that's, that's happened in the sports world since we last chatted, including the NCAA tournament, Tiger Woods winning the Masters, NFL draft, NFL free agency, and uh, and the event that's going on right now, the main event, and that is the NBA playoffs here as we're coming down the stretch of the conference finals with the NBA finals game one uh, this upcoming Thursday, uh, May the 30th. But first things first, my Baltimore Orioles. I know the first thing you're going to say, Jai, really? I mean, you haven't been on since mid-February. I mean, we got NBA playoffs, you got NFL free agency, and and the thing and the thing that you're going to lead with after three months is 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 the pathetic laughing stock that is the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. Yes, I am. And quite frankly, I have no other choice. Ladies and gentlemen, this team is an absolute utter disgrace and embarrassment to the city of Baltimore. They are an absolute joke and an absolute disgrace. Watching this team play baseball physically makes me sick. It physically makes me sick. Makes me sick. The the Orioles are so bad. I can't even fathom how bad of a team they've become. And all of you all out there, you fair weather, two positive, happy-go-lucky Oriole fans and, and, and always optimistic baseball, don't give me this crap about, well, it's a rebuild. It's part of a rebuild. It's part of the rebuilding process. Rebuild, 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 rebuild. Shut up. Okay, I, 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 am, I will be 17. By the, I'm making this episode on Saturday the May the 25th. I'll be 15 in four days. Or, or excuse me, 17 in four days. The Orioles haven't didn't have a winning season for the first for the first nine years of my life. And I'll be practically I'm 17 years old, and the Orioles have been successful for four out of those 17 years. Four. Whole time I was in middle school and my freshman year in high school. They haven't been good. My sophomore and junior years in high school, and they haven't been good from birth up until fifth grade graduation. They stink. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what you know what the, you know what the Baltimore Orioles record is? Fifteen and thirty six. This team is disgusting to watch. An utter embarrassment. They have not won a baseball game since May the 17th against Cleveland. They've laid complete fat eggs 
two. They lost the series against the Red Sox. They lost the series to the Angels. They got beaten a double head. They got swept in a double header May the fifteenth by the Yankees. They laid an egg, lost another series to Cleveland. They got swept out of the ballpark to the New York Yankees at <clears throat> excuse me at home, and I'll get to that a little bit later on. And they lost last night to Colorado. Not to mention, they got swept by Minnesota, and the, they got swept by Minnesota in Minnesota. Lost to the White Sox. Lost to the Twins at home. Their last series win was May was excuse me April the twenty fourth when they beat the White Sox two out of three at home. That was the last series win. The Baltimore Orioles are a walking atrocity of a baseball team. There's nothing else to say. This team from the top. On down stinks. From Peter Angelos, his two dopey sons, all the way down to the last guy in the lineup. To to Keon Broxon, who just joined the team. They are a complete and utter laughing stock. They have a, a negative 110 run differential. Negative 110. That is the worst in baseball. They've lost seven games in a row. They're one for their for their one and they're one and nine in the last ten games. They're eighteen and a half behind the New York Yankees out of first place with a two ninety four winning percentage. This team is absolutely positively disgusting to watch. They are bad. They're horrible. They are a joke. And somebody needs to say it. So, so it might as well be me. Somebody has to say it. Because, because gosh darn it, it needs to be said. I'm so sick and tired of this pathetic, haphazard, losing mentality and losing performance that I have to stomach and put up with for the most part year after year after year after year after year. I'm tired of it. I'm so sick and tired of watching the Yankees and the Red Sox win everything and an occasional Cinderella team like the Royals or the Red Sox or excuse me, like the Royals or the Astros. I'm sick of seeing them win. I'm sick of seeing it. Somebody, somebody has to stand up and say, and, and, and instead of kissing, instead of kissing Hyde and kissing uh, Michael Elias and kissing Angelos three around, someone has, has to have the guts to sit up here and stand up and call them out, and and, and, and call and, and call a spade a spade and tell like a ti is, and, and be upfront and honest and and call it and call it like they see it, and tell it and tell it like it is. Cause this this is ridiculous. I've I've had enough. I've I've had enough of the bullcrap that this team has given me. Outside of four years, four years, 2012, 2013, 14, 
15, they were at 500. I give them a break. And 16, so six years, really. 11 years of my life, this team has been in the basement of the AL East and a proverbial doormat for the Yankees and Red Sox for 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 the for over the for over the past decade this team stinks outside of a few ALCS appearances in 1996 and in 1997 and 2014 this team has done nothing since 1983 absolutely nothing and, and I'm getting sick and tired of it. I mean, honestly, I really am. I mean, I, here it is. I get the New York Daily News, the actual, the actual, the actual physical copy of Friday's New York Daily News. The Yankees were in town. Ta- the Yankees were in town recently. And you know, you know, you know what the first headline is when I turn to the sports section. Just take a, take a guess. First headline in the sports section, page 47. You know what the headline is, ladies and gentlemen? Yanks, n- not 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 Giants and not Jets with, with the GM, and I'll get to them a little bit later on. Not the Jets firing their GM, not, not, not the Mets not being able to get out of their own way and Mickey Callaway, you know, his job in jeopardy and Cespedes breaking his ankles, farting around his dopey run. No, 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 no. First headline in Friday's New York Daily News, page 46, page 47. Main headline in all caps and in, in, in bold and in black bold. You know what it is? Yanks walk all over O's. And you sit up here. You're Peter Angelos. You're his sons. You and you're, you're Brandon Hyde. You're Mike Elias. And you expect me to sit up here and stomach this crap? Let me say it one more time. Read you the headline. Yanks walk all over O's. Let that sink in. Because Orioles, quite frankly, I know you hate, you don't want people to say it, you don't want your fans to say it, you don't want anybody to think it, you don't want anybody to, you don't want to admit you don't want other, other people within your own inner circle to admit it. But guess what? You have become not just a doormat in the AL East, not just a doormat in the American League, but a doormat across the entire league of Major League Baseball. You are a joke. You stink. You are awful. Your play is the equivalent to five tons of horse crap. I've seen Little League teams have better fielding fundamentals than you guys have. My high school baseball teams from fresh soft to varsity has better fundamentals than you guys have. 
I'm not expecting a hundred wins. I'm not expecting, and and even and I wasn't on the air to give you my to give you my to give you my uh, season predictions, but trust me, folks, it was it wasn't anything crazy. All I asked for them, all I asked from the Orioles was a simple 70 and 92. A simple 70 and 92. I didn't I wasn't expecting 92 and 70. Wasn't expecting 81 anymore. I wasn't expecting 105 wins, 110 wins, 100 12 wins, 116 wins, 100 wins, 100, 102 wins, 98 wins, 97 wins, 95, 94 wins, 93 wins, 92 wins, 87 wins, 86 wins, 85, 84, 83, 82. Wasn't expecting that. All I wanted was a respectable, given all things considered, with a minor league roster on the field. All things considered, all I wanted was a 70 and 92 record in fourth place. And here you guys turn around to the New York Yankees who don't have Stanton, Judge, D.D. Gregorius, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, not like he's what he, what he used to be, but without Judge, Stanton, and DeGregorius in the lineup. Arguably the Yankees' three best position players on the team. They're not in the lineup. Remember, this is the same team that walked into Yankee Stadium in the bitter cold in late March and took the opening series from them. And it seemed like that was a shot that broke the camel's back from, from the Yankee perspective. Yeah, he's like, all right, we let them push us around last year with bucking them. They took the opening series from us. They'd be like, I'd be uh, they they thought they step in them. I was like, I'd be damned if I'm gonna sit up here and let the Orioles come up in here and get us again this year. And when, when, when what happens? You get New York Daily News. Yanks walk all over O's. That. Is you know how many people read the New York Daily? The paper is so big that they sell physical copies in a Wegmans in Baltimore. It's a bit. It's kind of. A, it's kind of a big newspaper. And trust me, it's not in in that. It's in the Post. It's in the Times. It's in Newsday. It's in the Washington Post. It's in the Baltimore Sun. It's USA uh, Sports District. Do like can the Orioles as a franchise fathom how much of a laughing stock they've be, and an and an utter joke and an utter disgrace that they've become as a franchise? Can they can they fathom that? Can they wake up and smell the roses and get their hands from in between their legs and out and their head out of their hind parts and realize that? Like, like, can you wake up, please, please? I, I'm so sick of the same garbage, pathetic, uh, 
pathetic effort that I'm giving every year. I, I can't take anymore. I can not take it anymore. And the idea that Brandon Hyde is some big-time Major League manager is a bunch of garbage. It is a bunch of garbage, a bunch of poppycock, a bunch of bullcrap, a bunch of horse blank. It's it's a bunch of fabrications, smoking mares. I don't know what other words you want me to you want me to use, want me to say. He stinks as a major league manager. He has no clue. Now, granted, every Orioles fan and me included wanted to put him up there with Earl Weaver for taking an opening series from the Yankees. But gee, but ever since then, that's been a blip on the radar. Because this guy does not have a clue. He does he does not have a clue. April the 1st, he takes out David Hess. Again, this is against the Blue Jays. This is, this is the first this is the first week of the season. First week of the season. He takes out David Hess, who was throwing a no-hitter through six and a third inning to a Blue Jay lineup that quite frankly a middle school baseball team could no hit. That's got some stuff. My main man, Reese Early, who was a pretty great baseball player. This is a knock on him, but he's 18 years old. Going up against, going against fully grown men who lift every day and do, you know, and do steroids and <coughs> I would imagine and Pilates and that sort of stuff. But he could have no hit the Blue Jays. That's how poorly their, that's how poorly their lineup is. He could have no hit them. And you got David Hess. This is the first week in a season, and a this is the first week of a new season. Okay, this is April. This is April the first. This is not September the first. This isn't July first. This isn't August first or June first. This is April the first, the first week of the new season. His first start of the new season, in a rebuilding year. Keep that in mind. And he takes out David Hess, who is throwing no-hit ball through six and a third to a pathetic garbage Blue Jay lineup with no Josh Donaldson on it, no Jose Bautista on it, no Edwin Encarnacion on it. And I know I'm going back a little bit, but also no... Um, God, what's his name? No Russell Martin on it. You know, the, he, he, isn't, he isn't going up against 2015 or, or <coughs> excuse me, 16 Toronto Blue Jays. He's going up against 2019 Toronto Blue Jays. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wasn't caught up yet, mind you. And Brandon Hyde pulls him out of the game. Why? For what? No hit ball through six and a third. And you, and you take him out? On April the 1st, the first week of the season. And don't give me this pitch count and monitoring and 
don't give me the analytical geek squad crap that we got a stomach with with all these other teams who are so obsessed with analytics and the use of the bullpen. A la Dave Robertson and Dodgers, every single time they do it, they fall flat on their face instead of letting, leaving their starters in the game. But even then, like if he isn't as fresh as a if he isn't as fresh as a horse, rep raring, ready to go in his first start, his first well, I forget whether it was first or second start, but anyway, it was it was it was less than his third start of the season. First week of the new season, and you take him out after six and a third, and I forget the number of pitches. And what it was between like sixty-five and and, and eighty-something pitches. You know, he wasn't Max Scherzer into the seventh at a hundred and fifteen. Okay, this guy was six and a third and barely had seventy pitches, if I remember correctly. And Brandon Hyde takes him out the game. He he, he take. He takes him out. He takes him out the game. Now, now he's lucky that that the that that the Orioles won this game, or he or he would have gotten lambasted by me and 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 national voices of Chris. But still, you don't take him out the game. And even when he did with Chris Davis, I mean, gee whiz, with, with that awful, disgusting Hitler streak. I mean, how many times do you expect us Oriole fans and have a sense of will and have a sense of self-esteem and have a sense of pride? How do you how do you put them out on the field each and every night? <coughs> Excuse me, and expect and expect us to stomach his horrid, awful performance? Well, well, eventually he'll get it together. Well, well, eventually he will. So we're hoping that he'll snap out of it. He's part of the work here. He's really trying. Oh, really? This appear goes 0 for 4 but with three strikeouts and you call that trying? And he goes in the field and he and he, and he, may, and he makes clueless, stupid errors at the same time. Yeah, you, you leave him in the lineup to the point where it got so bad that on the Orioles home opener, he got out cheered by a New York Yankee. Now granted New York Yankee was former Orioles Zach Britton, but gee whiz. He got more out he got out cheered by a Yankee, which in Baltimore never ever happens. And the Oriole and Baltimore is in the type of city where we'll boo, you know that that that's more Philly. You know, but Balt Baltimore won't boo. But boy, when Chris Day was going through that slump, you've never heard so many boos at Oriole Park and Camden Yards ever in your life for for the player that wears the orange and black. Never. Went full DiMaggio, 0-53 without a hit. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about a national disgrace? That is a national disgrace, and another, and and that's another way that the Orioles find them, find themselves into the national headlines as a laughing stock in in sports in 2019. This team is a joke. The owner is a joke. The owner is a is a cheap old frugal fat slob. Who's an idiot who doesn't know how to run a baseball team? He fought. Remember, he fired Danny Johnson after he won manager in the year in '97. Took him to the ALCS, and he fired him. And the Orioles basically had to wait 20 years for them to get back into the almost 20 years for them to get back into the same situation. 17 to be exact, but still, 
The the owner is is a is a fat is a fat gluttonous idiot who doesn't have a clue. The manager gets all bullpen excited and bullpen happy because the stupid GM is is phoning them down from up from the uh, up from the up from the uh, which McCollum's upstairs and then it's telling and it's telling him for some ungodly reason to take out David Hess in a game on April the on April the first. Against the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's taking and he's taking them out and going to that, going to that monotonous, god awful, disgusting Orioles bullpen that hasn't done a freaking thing all year. One of the top, one of the top five worst bullpens in all of ba- in all of baseball. I mean, for, from from t- I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, I mean, one of the worst bullpens in baseball. Thirtieth. Third, the last. I mean, this is all together. Well, I mean, with starting pitching and bullpen, but we have the worst ERA in the league. We 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 five five point eight three ERA. That round that up to six. So you're playing the Baltimore Orioles. Odds are you're going to score about at least six runs a night. And we also lead, and we also lead the lead the world in losses too for the pitchers. Thirty six. And earned runs and home runs with 111. We lead the world in giving up home runs, run, earned runs, and runs, and with the losing stat line on the on this side of the uh, on the side of the totals for the starting pitching. I mean, we we are an absolute utter disgrace. And, and and I hope and, and I hope Angelos is proud to the small group of Oriole fans that show up at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I, I hope I hope every single time he looks at his wallet and looks at his bank account, and looks at his bottom line, he's he's reminded of how poor of a disaster his uh, his, his bread and butter in the Baltimore Orioles has become. Uh, I hope he. I hope he's proud of himself, and I hope he pays attention that he, when he, whenever he loses money, and whenever the numbers on that bank account of his get smaller and smaller, because fans are starting to realize and are and are starting to wake up to the BS, and 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 they and they start saying, "Hey, we're we're not going to be. You're not going to charge us at all in a length to watch this horse crap performance on the field, over my dead body." The Baltimore Orioles are complete and utter disgrace. They don't they don't, they don't know how to field. They are they are they're fundamentally unsound. I mean I mean did you see what happened a, a few weeks ago against the Cleveland Indians? A simple routine ground ball to second base or one out. What do you do? You throw the ball to second base and turn it to first for the routine double play. No no not the Orioles. We'll catch the ball. We'll try to run Lindor back to first base, miss him, throw the ball to first. The runner from the batter's box is safe. Lindor is safe at second base. And oh, by the way, there's a runner coming all the way from second base headed home. And by the way, we give up two runs in what should have been a routine inning, inning, double play to end the inning and to keep us in the game. I mean, you want to talk about an absolute laughing stock and an absolute utter joke of a franchise. I mean, this is something that a little league team can can comprehend and can uh, 
and can um succeed in doing and and uh well, execute that's what I want to use to can execute I had a simple ground ball to second base where you flip it to the shortstop for one out and you flip it to the first baseman to get the second one or if you're not sure you get the out in the second, just flip the first and be on with it. No, no, not the Orioles. We're going to sit up here and toss the ball nine million different directions and have no field, no on-field awareness whatsoever, have no baseball IQ, have no clue, and we let two runs score and blow us and blow and blow what once was a seven-nine lead turns into a ten-seven lead. I mean, how how unsound fundamentally can you get? On on top of the fact that the outfielder is not knowing not knowing how to throw correctly either, missing the cutoff man, throwing the ball to home plate that's up the line, missing the catcher. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's oh my oh my gosh, Almighty, please help us all. I mean, seriously, this is a joke. Wild pitches, pass balls, catcher doesn't know how to catch the ball, throw, rainbow throws, the home plate, missing the cut. Oh, my God. I mean, this is the product that you're proud of? I mean, ser I mean I, let me tell you this. Let me tell you something. If that was my baseball team and went out on the field every night and performed and played like that, I could care less whether we rebuild or not. Heads will roll and people's jobs will be lost and they'll be finding the unemployment line quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because I get it, we're not competing for championships, but competing for championships and looking like a horse's and look and your play looking like is and your play being the equivalent of a of a pile of of cow dung is two different things. Catchers not knowing how to catch the ball behind the plate, not not knowing and dropping pop ups. You know, rainbow throws into the infield, missing cutoff men, throwing the ball up the line, missing the catcher, pass balls, wild pitches. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, what do you guys do during spring training, honestly? Because if there's anything that spring training is for, it's for this: to get your new players coming out out of the minor leagues and that are new to the franchise. Get them fundamentally sound so when it comes time for you to go out on the field, you don't embarrass yourself if you're at home in front of 2,000 at Oriole Park and Camden Yards and the thousands more watching on TV. That's what spring training is for. And all Brandon Hyde ever said and all that Brandon Hyde ever stressed in spring training or early in the season about how much important how, well, we're going to enforce fundamentals. We're going to enforce about... How fundamentally sound we have to be. We have to force the the, the importance of playing great defense. Yet, yet, yet they don't know how to turn a freaking simple four six three double play. Yet, yeah, I got Brandon Hyde talking about and, and instructing and enforcing fundamentals. I mean, get out of my face, will you please? Instructing fundamentals. Give me a break. Instructing fundamentals. And meanwhile, at the same time, this idiot can't get it through his thick skull not to pitch to Glaber Torres when he when he has ten all runs on you in the season. Glaber Torres at the, has I like, I have to check, but Glaber Torres has has about has uh let's see. Glaber Torres has 
12 home runs this season. 10 of them are off Baltimore Oriole pitching. I mean, and Brandon Hyde can't get it through that thick reverse hairline, receding hairline, bald scalp, bald head of his. Not the pitch, the glamour. Torrance, when he has 10 home runs on you earlier in the season. My gosh. And he sees and says, well, he hits 260. He hits 240 against everybody else. Oh, well, that's funny. If he if he's an average hitter against all the other teams, yet somehow, someway, whenever he plays y'all, he turns into he turns into the second coming of Babe Ruth. Well, then, well, then, what's the problem here? What what's the inconsistency here? What what's what's the common denominator here? I know you and your and your garbage pitching and your crappy bullpen. Including Michael Givens, who can't get anybody else to can't get anybody out to save his life. I gotta sit up here and and listen to uh listen to, listen to Brandon Hyde after after he after he blows another save and chokes away another lead. I gotta listen to Brandon Hyde sit up here and 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 talk about well Michael Givens is is a great pitcher. He's he he's the he's the he's the perfect guy. He's a perfect guy, the perfect closer for our bar ball club. He he's he's great. He's this. He's that. He's a great family man. He's he's a great guy. He oh my! I mean I mean I mean, hi! Shut! Sit down! Shut up! Get off my television screen and get out of my face with that horse crap. Michael gives us zero three this season with a five point six four ERA. That is awful. That is disgusting. That is putrid. That is the exact opposite of the Zach Britton that that us Oriole fans became spoiled with for three years for 2014-ish, I want to say the 2000 yeah, 2014 to 2017. That was that was the guy that that's well, that's what we get for being spoiled with Zach Britton, his amazing sinker and the amazing job he did for us as closer. This is what we get. This is Michael Givens with his 5.64 ERA, and basically every ball that comes out of his right hand ends up not ends up if it's at Oriole Park, ends up on somebody's balcony in a high rise in a Hilton hotel across the street, or ends up in or ends up in somebody's beer bottle or or a beer cup. And I swear, every single time this guy comes into the game in a, in a tight clutch situation, somebody hits the ball nine miles. Prime example, last night in Colorado against the Rockies. And what, and what does he do? He first he comes into the game, barely can throw a strike. Can't lo locate the strike zone of his life dependent on it. Catcher dropping balls, pass balls left to right. And I, and I actually tweeted. I, I said I said I said Michael I said Michael Givens, ninth inning, tie game. What could go wrong? Here we go. Wild pitches, pass balls. I see this loss coming. I laid. I know, I know this team like a book. Givens gonna give up a walk off hit to, sto to Trevor Story. Don't believe me? Just watch. And it's sure enough, not even two minutes later, Trevor Story hits the ball nine miles and, and Rockies walking off. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I, I I know this team. I know this team like I know baby season one two threes. I I know this pathetic Orioles team like like I know my like like I know my first and last name. They are so bad and, and, and so awful. It is disgusting. And I got to sit up here and listen to Brandon Hyde 
basically wax poetic about Michael Gibbs like he's like he's Bob Gibson or somebody. Yet he's giving up home runs to Glaber Torres and Trevor Story in, in the clutching in tight, close games, late in games when it counts and when it matters most. Give me a break. And I got to sit up. Brandon Hyde doesn't have a freaking clue. I, I, Anzos doesn't have a clue. Nobody. No, the only person I think that has a clue is maybe the GM. And I'd have to wait and see what he does in the draft. But even still. It's just like nobody from the top down has a clue. From Angelos down to Hyde. And it's a complete and utter disgrace. And the Baltimore Orioles, much like the city they play in, have become a national laughing stock and a, and a, and a, and a national living dumpster fire. 2019 Orioles. Whatever can go wrong will, will go wrong. An accident way to happen. That's right, I said it. I gave them the Dallas Cowboys title of being an accident waiting to happen. A bunch of 10-man syndrome players led by deadbeat, clueless, ignorant, horrid, quote-unquote manager and Brandon Hyde that doesn't, have a biggest, that doesn't have a biggest clue in the world. Give me a freaking break. Brandon Hyde, get lost. What is he, Earl Weaver? Team makes me sick. Take a break. I'll take a break. I'll touch on Mike Trout and Bryce Harper right after this. Welcome back to Amateur Like a TIS podcast. Staying on the sport of baseball, but switching gears now. While we were away, Bryce Harper signed a 13 year, $330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, which until a few about a week later, when Mike Trout broke that record, and when a record that was originally set by Manny Machado was broken by Harper, which was then broken by Trout, but Harper, uh, big big, uh, it's a mega contract. Scott Boris is his agent, the guy that you know has us Oriole fans stuck with Chris Davis for the next century and a half. But anyway. Uh, you know, Boris, you know, he's, he's hard to get, he's, he's, he plays hard to get, he wants the best for his clients, and it's good that Harper gets money. Do I think Bryce Harper is worth $330 million, 13 years? Heck no, I don't. Bryce Harper is overrated. Bryce Harper is one of the most dynamic, electrifying players in the sport of baseball, but he's not the best. He's not better than Trout. He's not better than Machado. He's not better than Arenado. He's not better than Mookie Betts. He's not better than Jose Altuve. He isn't. Uh, I'm. So, I hate to piss on a bonfire for all you guys that love, all you guys and gals out there that that love that love Bryce Harper and thinks he's the hottest thing since sliced bread. I'm sorry, but but the man, but the man is overrated. I, I I'm sorry. Okay, it, it's not my fault. That Bryce Harper puts up you know, hits hits like in the three thirties in his MVP season in two thousand and seventeen with the Nationals, and then his contract year, his last year at the Nationals, he can't he he has streaks where he can't hit the ball out of the infield. Okay, that's not my, that's not my problem. That that's a you problem. Okay, he, right now he's hitting two thirty with nine home runs and three four RBIs. Okay, and I. 
I'm sorry, but I I'm not I can't give a guy over ten years, over three hundred million dollars for over a ten year period for you to for you to hit in the two thirties and the two forties and the two fifties and the two sixties. Okay, two thirty be acceptable for Chris Davis. Okay, wrong wrong Scott Boris client. Okay, Harper is a hundred times better talent than Chris Davis is, and he needs to start playing like it. Cause I'm sorry, two thirty. And the city of Philadelphia that is coming off of that two years ago is coming off of an Eagle Super Bowl. The 76, the 76ers were an eyelash away from making it to the Eastern Conference Final. They're not, they're not going to stomach Bryce Harper hitting, hitting, hitting two anything. And as you saw, I mean, they, they love Bryce Harper when he hit three home runs in his first four games in Philadelphia was off to a four four and zero start, but all of a sudden when the when the Phillies hit had a little uh, hit a little bump in the road and the, and their and a nail uh, poked the hole in their tire, all all of a sudden things got got bad. You know Philly, I mean Jim West, I mean in the first five games of the season, Philadelphia lo lo loved Bryce, loved him like you wouldn't believe. Harper jerseys everywhere you look. We love Harper, Harper this, Harper that. Soon as this guy can't hit the ball out of the infield, you know, and they have every right to. They pay good money to go see him play, but buy the jerseys and, and the cable bills and everything else. But I mean, he gets what he gets, and he shouldn't get upset. And okay, but Bryce, if you don't, here's word, here's word of advice, Bryce. If you don't want, if you don't want the Philly crowd to boo you. Here's a word of advice: Stop striking out. Stop trying to hit the ball. Hit hit the ball, basically to the Nick Foles, uh, Doug Peterson statue outside Lincoln Financial. Okay, quit trying to swing for the fences every single time you get on base. You're a five-tool player. You're built like one. You are one. Okay, you can You got it. Uh, you can You're you're just as much. In my opinion, a threat on 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 the uh, on the bases as you are at the plate. Okay, you too much of a dynamic, talented player to basically play big poppy and swing for the fences every single time you get up to the plate. Okay, I, I'm and and I like Harper. I'm a fan, but but let's call it like we say it. I mean, I am so sick of Harper get, getting up getting up to getting up to the plate, stepping up to the plate with the bat in his hand and when his runners on on first and second with nobody out, and rather than him trying to, and he, and he hits in the top three areas of the lineup. So I mean, this should be his job to begin with, because you get you know because the Phillies have Reese Hoskins hitting cleanup. But instead of him trying to move the runners around or trying to drive them in via base hit and have him get on base so he can distract the pitcher and have a little movement on the base paths and try to seal a couple of bases, rather than him doing that, what he does that he sits up here and he goes up to the plate and he starts free swinging and, 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 and hacking at the ball, trying to hit the ball as high and as far as he can. I'm so sick of seeing that. Harper, solid contact, solid contact, get the ball into the outfield, split the outfielders, get on base, and let you, and let, and let those fast legs of yours do the rest, okay? I, I, want, I want to see that, 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 that flowing hair that you have come loose and when, that, when that helmet comes off because you're flying around the bases. 
Can I, that helmet isn't that helmet isn't flying off, and all the ladies out there aren't getting jealous, wishing that they were married to you when when, when you're striking out and hitting two thirty. I'm sorry, Bryce, but 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 stuff like that's got to stop if you if you expect to win a championship. And a thing and a thing that also makes Harper overrated is because. He went to the play. He had he had more playoff appearances than Manny Machado did. And played more playoff games than Manny Machado did, and laid a complete fat egg in every game and in every NLDS he's ever played in. Every single one, outside of a few home runs to to make to make Hunter Strickland, you know, angry and, and raging inside in 2014. He's done absolutely nothing in the postseason. So it's time for Bryce Harper to straighten up and, and, and fly right. I like Harper, but 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 enough's enough. Okay, quit quit trying to hit the ball onto the moon and hit the ball as high and as absolutely as far as you can. Okay, this is a real baseball game. It's ain't the home run derby. Okay, get on bait. You're a five-two player, Bryce. A, a, a strong power, a, a strong, a strong, athletic, fast, fast young man. Okay, ha handsome young man at that. Okay, if, if, if I was a Caucasian, I'd want to be like Bryce Harper because because that's just how dynamic and how good good looking, how boom, he, just how <clears throat> he's a man's man. I, I I can see that from a distance. I like that about him. But please, Bryce, enough with trying to hit the ball as high as far as you can, okay? Home run derby ended la last July, Bryce. I, 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 Philly fans don't pay good money to, to see you hit 230, okay? And, and then whenever I turn you on on ESPN or MLB Network, I should see 0 for 3 with two strikeouts on your stat line. I see 2 for 3 with, with a double, a single, and a couple of stolen bases, 63220 okay you're, you're no you're no slouch you're no slouch of a base of a baseball player as far as talent is concerned you're better than hitting 230 and, and going slumps where you make Chris da where you make Chris Davis's career look like a bad day come on Bryce get it together switching gears to the guy that broke Bryce Harper's contract record and Mike Trout who Granted, I understand that Mike Trout, you know, all the analytical people love him. They compare him to DiMaggio. They compare him to DiMaggio. They compare him to Ted Williams. And, oh, my gosh, Mike Trout, he's this. Mike Trout, he's that. Now, granted, he's he's a better player than Harper is. But they both have one thing in common. Trout has done nothing in the postseason. Mike Trout got... a. Yeah, Got a large contract over 10 years as well. And quite frankly, he's a great talent and all, but Mike Trout does not guarantee you winning seasons. It doesn't guarantee you wins. Rookie year 2012, they didn't make the playoffs. 2013, they didn't make the playoffs. 2014, his third year in the league, they made the playoffs Led the led the uh, major leagues and the and the American League in wins, uh, like ninety eight wins I think it was like ninety eight wins in two thousand fourteen, and let the eighty something winning and let the eighty win something uh, Kansas City Royals walk up in Angel Stadium and absolutely sweep them and wolf them out the building, 
and Trout did nothing, absolutely nothing in the series. So, Angels, you know, I get it. He's a great talent. He's a Hall of Fame talent. If he keeps up, he's going to end up in a Hall of Fame. But, and it's another, and it's another thing that makes Trout overrated when you compare him to DiMaggio and the, the, the all-time greats. It's the fact that Mike Trout, A, he's been in the postseason one time, man, and he spit the bit. And B, just because he can hit three, just because he can fit in the, fit, hit in the 300s, hit about 25 home runs a season, and drive in over 100, doesn't, and have an OPS of over 1,000, or a base percentage of 995, doesn't doesn't necess, doesn't uh, automatically result in wins, and, and and it shows one winning one winning season in his in his career so far in, in uh, Los Angeles, and he got swept out the building by a bunch of role players on the Kansas City Royals, and and, and young and young talent, and of course Mustakis and, and Hosmer and everybody else, but. There, there was no superstar to be had on that 2015 Royals team. He, he was the best. He was the best player in the series, and his team got swept out the building. He's not a winning player under any any circumstances. Take a break. Uh, quickly recap the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, and touch on these NBA playoffs and the next game, the third pick of the draft. Right after that, and, and the situation with Anthony Davis that that comes up right after the break. Welcome back to Amateur Like a TIS podcast. Uh, switching gears because we, you know, we were away while this was going on to the NCAA tournament that seems like it was eons ago, and the fact that number one Virginia beat number three Texas Tech in the uh, NCAA. Men's Basketball Division One Championship. Uh, congratulations to them. They deserved it. I mean, and if I was on the air to tell you, I would have told you. I mean, and, and some of my brackets, I had them going as far as the Final Four. I mean, five brackets, I think. In a, I, at least in all of them, I had them going as far as the Elite Eight. Because I had, I had a feeling inside at the beginning of the tournament. I said, look, this is a team that, you know, given what stuff that's happened in Charlottesville with the, uh, with the, uh, with the, with the Ku Klux Klan stuff, and and given the fact that, and given the fact that they were the first team in the history of the tournament, in the eighty-plus year history of the tournament, that was a one seed that lost to a sixteen seed in the first round up until then, that up until two thousand eighteen, that had never happened before, and the fact that their school and their team name and their colors is right next to that record, you know, it rubbed the coach the wrong way. I imagine it rubbed many of the players the wrong way. And they came out with an axe to grind, and they came out with a vendetta against the entire field and saying, look, by hook or by crook, we're going to make it at least make it to this Final Four. When we get to the Final Four, we're going to make it and win this national championship. And it turned out that, and it turned out that is something that, uh, came, that came to fruition. Uh, congratulations to them. There was no other team, in my opinion, that I thought deserved to be, to be there and to win it more than Virginia because, I mean... That 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 was a team of destiny right there. I mean, what what adversity do you go through being the number one seed, dominating the field, losing to a team that unless you either went there, 
you either went there to get your college education or you know so or you knew knew or know someone that goes there or went there or you live in the state of Maryland if if you don't fall into any of those categories I name you couldn't pick UMBC out of a college lineup and the fact that and the fact that they beat big boy, no, not to say Virginia is some big bad basketball institution, but again, University of Virginia, you know, they didn't beat UMass, they beat University of Virginia. But still, I mean, and, and for them to come back a whole year later and just to run the table making an NCAA tournament was great. I enjoyed the tournament. The tournament was fun. The tournament was exciting. Plenty of... <laughs> Close finishes, especially with Duke and Zion Williamson. Duke, you know, they got lucky in quite a few games that they played. They got lucky against the. Uh, excuse me. They got lucky against. They got lucky against Virginia Tech. They got lucky against uh, UF, UCF. You know, they got. Uh, they barely, and I mean barely, made it out against. Uh, well, I should say barely. They whooped the North Dakota State to shreds, but in the second round against UCF and in the Sweet 16 against Virginia Tech, they hammed an egg to their way to that to those victories. I mean, boy, boy did they, boy did they get, boy did they get lucky and have the ball bounce their way. And you saw, and and Duke haters were rejoicing. You know, finally, I mean, you guys got lucky back to back rounds. Yeah, you ran out. You ran out of luck when you ran into uh, Tom Mizzo and his team, one of the most grittiest, hard-nosed basketball teams that I've seen in a in a tournament in a little while. I mean that that I mean you, Tom Mizzo, he wants to win. He cares about his players, but more importantly, he wants to win. He wants the best out of his players, and he and he and he and his players were just more physical than Duke on that Sweet 16 night uh, once upon a time back in uh, mid-March. But congratulations. And the, and, the, and the Kyle Guy foul against Auburn in the Final Four. And I'll touch on that right now. Uh, you're a ref in that situation. I don't care if it's Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals. Uh... It, or just late in the game in general, or especially in the final four of an NCAA tournament, you do not, under any circumstances, blow that whistle. Okay, you keep that whistle in your back pocket. You swallow the whistle. You keep your mouth shut, and you let it. You you and you let the players play, unless it's something blatant and something so clear in a violation, such as. NC NFC Championship game Rams and Saints nine millionth time we we are going to have to revisit that. But unless it's something as blatant and as obvious as that, you don't blow the whistle in a tight game situation like that, in, in a in a close game heading down to the wire. You just don't. I mean that was a very ticky tacky ticky tacky call. I mean he made no effort to. I mean to me it didn't look like that he jumped into him. It looked like he tried to block the basketball. He grazed his body. It wasn't even like he like tried to lower his shoulder and do a football move on him and launch him into the, into the seats behind him. I mean, he grazed him. When you look at it, he grazed him. But in that situation, you just don't blow the whistle. Again, unless it's NFC Championship game a la back in January where, you know, it's so blatant and so obvious it'd be a crime not to blow the whistle. But anyway, that's the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, moving on to the NBA playoffs in a game that has just ended as the Congratulations to the uh, Toronto Raptors and the city of Canada and the province of Ontario and the uh, the country of Canada, the city of Toronto, as they beat the Milwaukee Bucks 100 to 94 in Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Kawhi Leonard, for the first time, ironically enough, the last time there was no Cavs, no Cavs Warriors in the NBA Finals was 2014 when it was. Heat when it was Heat and Spurs, the last Spurs championship that they have had in recent memory in their last NBA Finals appearance, which ironically was Kawhi Leonard's last NBA Finals appearance. Uh, in the game tonight, he had 27 points, 17 rebounds, and, and had an unbelievable comeback against the and first. This is the first NBA Finals appearance of the first Eastern Conference Finals championship in NBA history, by the way. Keep that in mind. Or in NBA history, but in Toronto Raptors history. So keep that in mind. But a congratulations to Kawhi Leonard and his team. Uh, what a what a job they did, and what a job Kawhi did. You know, I mean, you can make the argument that he quit on the uh, quit on the uh, Spurs, which yeah, which he did. But I mean, he gave it one year. With the gave it one year with the Raptors, see what happens. The same this is the same Raptors team that fired Dwayne Casey, who won fifty nine games in two thousand and two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen season, won fifty nine games and lost to LeBron and lost to LeBron James thanks to the group of role players that he has on his roster and the fact that LeBron James is the second greatest player in the history of the National Basketball Association. But this is the same team that turns around and the GM, Masai Jury, whatever his name is, got absolutely killed by Chris Russo including absolutely killed for firing Dwayne Casey and here you turn and now they turn around and all of a sudden they're in the NBA Finals, trying to keep the Golden State Warriors from three-peating and winning their fourth championship within the past five seasons. And the Warriors won't have Kevin Durant to uh, help them out with uh, because he hurt, because he strained his calf. He hurt his calf, uh, I believe it was either late in the Houston series or earlier in the, uh, I think... It was late in the Houston series. Yeah, it was late in the Houston series, and uh, and Kevin Durant strained his ca- strained his calf and didn't play at all in the Portland series, where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson absolutely ran about the building because, granted, their Hall of Fame their Hall of Famers, but and Draymond Green put on an absolute performance in the last game of that series, but the fact that. Uh, Portland has no, has no bodies. I mean, Damian Lillard. I mean, and, and CJ McCollum. I mean, they're they're nice players, but you can't beat Golden State and can't expect to win a championship when when you just have those players. I mean, that they're good enough to beat the uh, the they're good enough to beat Denver. They're good enough to beat uh, the uh, the uh, Thunder. I'll get to them them and the Rockets. I mean, I got a bone to pick with them, but. You can't expect to beat Golden State with uh, with McCollum and uh, and uh, Damian Lillard as your uh, as your two guards. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. But the NBA Finals is set. 
Game one will be third. Game one will be Thursday, May the thirtieth, on ABC, between Golden State and Toronto. Uh, Golden Golden State will host Game one. Toronto, you know, the, the, them being the two seed, they'll host later on. Uh, should be a fun, interesting series. Uh, no Kevin Durant to begin with, at least within the first two games of this series, which proves something that Toronto has to go in there and really stick it to Golden State and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry with that stupid dopey. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I've I've gotten a little tired of Golden State and Steph Curry, especially. They've become they are you know what they are they they, they are what the Carolina Panthers would have became. Had they have beaten Denver in 2015 and kept their good uh and kept their good uh flow going into the 2016 and 17 season, that there are so many similarities between Golden State and the uh, Carol and the 2015 Carolina Panthers is mind boggling. Just added, just attitude wise, just based on attitude, body language, and and the way they carry themselves and, and the cockiness. And granted, I mean three championships in four years, they have the right to be cocky. But oh my gosh, Steph Curry. He is, he is such an annoying pain that you know what it is unbelievable. Oh jeez, I, I mean I I try my best not to hate on Steph, and I try my best not to hate him, but oh he makes it so hard. I mean he oh gosh he 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 is what Cam Newton should be in 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 the in the NFL, but isn't and Cam Newton has himself to blame. But anyway, he is what Cam Newton should be. But good God, yeah, I, I I've, I've had it with Golden State. Please, I'm begging you. And I know, uh, Toronto, you're not going to cry boo if you get swept in four games or lose in five. If you lose in seven, you'll do, even if you lose in seven, you'll do backflips from uh, the arena in Toronto all the way to uh, Vancouver. But, I mean, for, from, from all the Golden State haters everywhere, I'm begging you. Please, 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 with sprinkles and a cherry on top, beat Golden State. I, I, if the, if you don't do anything else as a franchise, beat Golden State so you can break up the team, and so it'll be the end. It'll be an ugly end for their dynasty. Because I'm so sick and tired of Golden State, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they barely. I mean, they got bored against the. Uh, they got bored against the Clippers, and they beat them. The Rockets, I'll get to them in a minute. They beat them. And then they said, and Portland didn't even put up a fight, choking double-digit leads in back-to-back -back games, which is, a, which is another disgrace. But please, 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 Toronto, you got to take care of Golden State. Please, please, please. And I, and, I, and, I, and let me tell you something. If if Toronto comes out and, and smashes uh, Golden State in the mouth and hits them hard the first two games of this series, I think there's not a question in the world why Toronto can't 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 uh can't at least win can't at least win two games with or without uh Kevin Durant on the floor. I I don't see why they can't. If they play their cards right and they come out with it with the intensity and physicality that they have to have to beat Golden State in the first two games of the series, I don't see why not they they can't win. And and also and also and also you can't just sit up here and say well, and also I think Golden State, you know, who cruised through the entire regular season, and 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 cruised through the entire, 
I mean, I know they played back-to-back six-game series the first and second round, but for, but for the most part, cruised through the NBA playoffs. I think this game is going to go seven games, and I think if Toronto plays it right, I think Toronto could win in seven games. I think it's going to be a fun, fun, in 2000, fun and exciting and thrilling 2019 NBA Finals compared to what, we, what we've been subjected to the last two years of the ugly years of uh, Golden State and Cleveland. But uh, to get to the two, I mean, and the second round of the NBA, you know, second round of the NBA was good. I mean, you had the exciting, thrilling finish between uh, the set on Mother's Day with uh, the 76ers in Toronto and Kawhi Leonard with that with that uh, with that bouncy buzzer beater to beat the 76ers and Joel Embiid, who never plays, and yet I got to sit up. That's a thing, a lot of thing that bothered me in the NBA playoffs. I got Joel Embiid crying to his girlfriend in front of all the cameras in the in the tunnel in the Scotia Bank Arena up in uh, Toronto. Yet the guy, yet the yet the guy never rarely played in the series. And when he did play, he would he would blow up the scoreboard one night and then and then come back and and play like a timid and play like a timid amateur and t- play like a timid amateur who never picked up the basketball the next night. So I'm down on the beat. Embiid, grow a pair of balls, be a man, suck it up, take some Flonase, take some night, take some uh, Mucinex. Take take whatever, do whatever you gotta do to get yourself well and to get yourself healthy, so your team can need you. Your team can use you to help beat Toronto, because because I'm sorry, but but that but come on, I gotta sit up here and I gotta deal with Embiid, you know, walking around with the sniffles and, and playing and playing Mr. Cutie Pie to to his girlfriend, could all because he all because he gave up. All because he was defending Kawhi on the on the game on the game winning shot. I mean, really? I mean, come on, Joel, please grow a pair, be a man, and let's go and play some basketball, please. I gotta sit up. I gotta sit up here, and I gotta put up with Joel and beat and tears. Oh, grow a pair of balls. You you hardly played in the series, and you were sick. But and you, and you, and you, and you were sick, sick with the sniffles, okay. On on top of the fact, the idiot set up here and woke up at six in the morning in Texas coach nine hours before. Think about that for a minute. Nine hours before a game, before a playoff, a playoff basketball game started, he Texas coach nine hours in the wee hours of the morning, talking about I may not be able to go today. It mean, put the cell phone down like you were doing in the Brooklyn series. Put the cell phone down. Put the cell phone down and, and, and go and go to sleep and take some medication, please. My gosh, almighty! That 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 drove me crazy. Joel and Bean, huh? Give me a break. And 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 and, and, the, and the other two things that bother me in these NBA. Actually, I got three things. Uh, one is the starting time. The starting time is, is is an absolute disgrace. I mean, I mean, I mean, I got. Uh, what game was it? It was Houston, and I think it was Houston and Golden State last. No, it was Port. Uh, let me check. But it was a game that was it was it was a playoff game last Saturday. Yeah, it was Portland and Golden State last Saturday, and the fact that 
they had the game start at 9 o'clock at night on ESPN when there was no other game on in the day. None whatsoever. I mean, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid of getting beat by the Preakness? Who cares? The dopey, the, the, the dopey horse that won the Kentucky Derby said right afterwards he won one of the Preakness. Who cares about the dopey Preakness? And that trash heap that is the Pimlico race, race course. What, and what, what, they were afraid of getting buried by CBS with, with the PJ Championship? Nobody gives a crap about Brooks Kepka, Krep, Krepkot, whatever, Crumpet, whatever his dopey name is. Tiger was there to make the cut. Nobody cares. Put the game on earlier in the day so we all can watch it. Let's go, NBA, Adam Silver. Quit, quit farting around. Get your, get your head from out in between your legs. Get your head out of your booty pipe. Wake up and pay attention. Let's go. Let's put this game... And, and don't sit up here and give me the the, the travel time excuse because it's, it's a Saturday, okay? It's a it's a Saturday. Start the game at 4 o'clock. Put on ABC if you want to. Put it at 4 o'clock. Put it on ABC. Put it at 7 o'clock. Put it on ESPN. Put it at 8 o'clock. Put it on ABC to get a primetime rating. No excuses. Put that game on at 9 o'clock at night. And I could go and I give you a million examples of this postseason. But I'd be here. But I'd be here until Christmas doing it. So I'll just leave it at that. But still, the starting times for these NBA playoff games got to stop, and it's got to change. The other two things that bothered me in the NBA playoffs were the two teams that got eliminated. It they got eliminated within a round from each other. First off, the Oklahoma City Thunder and Russell Westbrook. I've have I have had enough of Russell Westbrook and the, the Oklahoma City Thunder, but more than Westbrook. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, every single. I here's the bottom line about Westbrook. Nobody gives a crap. Nobody gives two cents. Nobody gives a rat's foot about him averaging a triple double on his stat line, and him scoring fifty three points against the against uh, the Phoenix Suns. In a, in, a, in a random oblivious night in the middle of February or in the middle of December or in the middle of January. Nobody cares. Okay? Because whenever the light shines bright in the playoffs, what does is, what is Russell Westbrook do? He folds up like a cheap tent. That's what he does. He folds up like a cheap tent and, is, and plays like an absolute first-class bubble on the basketball court. I've I've had it I've had it I've had it I've had it I've, I've had it I've had it I have had it with Russell Westbrook, please. I mean the leading scorer in the series was Paul George with twenty eight points. Uh, I mean th think about that for a minute. He averaged twenty two a game, nine rebounds and ten assists. Uh, I mean I mean come on, Russ, please. In, in the in the playoffs. I've had it with Russell Westbrook. He is so he is so erratic and so overrated. It is mind-boggling. I guess, please, I I don't want to hear anything any anything anymore about Russell Westbrook because when it matters most and when the rubber when it's time for the rubber to meet the road and the limelight's on him and the spotlight is on him and shining bright like a diamond, the guy folds up like a cheap tent and never 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 shows up in a big time playoff game in a big time game to begin with. Heck, when he had Durant sitting next to him as his right-hand man, he choked the 3-1 lead to Golden State. So, so, so please, enough with Westbrook. 
And, another, and another team, another play I've had enough with is the Houston Rockets. Oh my gosh, Almighty! I've, I've, I've Houston, 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 Houston. We have a problem. I mean, outside of the Houston Ash, ugh, my goodness gracious! How many times you guys gonna lose to Golden State? I mean, it's becoming the same crap, different year and every year. I mean, I mean, enough. Like, you mean to tell me that after a year later, when you guys blew a lead, not blew a 20-plus point lead to Golden State in the conference final, and blew, uh, blew a series lead like you wouldn't believe, you mean until you go turn around a year later when you have a healthy Paul, uh, Chris Paul on your team? Not like Chris Paul does anything in the second round, gets up the second round to begin with, but still. I mean, if you guys would have had Chris Paul, you guys would have beaten Golden State last year in the conference finals because you guys were flying last year. But still, I mean, you, I mean, come on. You have a healthy Chris Paul and no Kevin Durant to close out the series. No excuses, okay? I'm sick and tired of basically making excuses and sticking up for the Houston Rockets and James Harden. Enough's enough. Put your big boy pants on. Get your head from... Out of, get your get your hands out of your hard parts. Wake up, pay attention. Let's play, let's play some decent playoff basketball. You have a you have James Harden, who everyone waxes poetic and bloviates like he like he's a Kimolajuan, and with that dopey asinine streak that nobody gives a crap about of scoring over forty or fifty points in consecutive games. And yet he sits up here and he shows up and he, and he gets into the playoffs and come May, he falls flat on his face like a pancake and fails to show up. And I'm so freaking sick and tired of it because it's the same filthy, boring, anticlimactic, hair-pulling, stressful, uh, just ugh, garbage that me, Rockets fans everywhere, and Golden State haters have, haters have to put up with every single Every single playoffs go around. I'm so I'm so, I'm so, I'm sick of it. Enough of James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. The two other than LeBron, other than LeBron James, they dominate the NBA headlines in the Sports Center headlines in the sport in the Sports Center ESPN airtime because they tell us how great Russell Westbrook and James Harden is. How they go on these ridiculous. Streaks of scoring over thirty plus points in a game, and and triple doubles this, and triple doubles that, and and you get the you get 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 uh, come playoff time, come May, both of them, Russ West doesn't even wait till May. Russ Westbrook chokes in late April, but still, I mean, they both come playoff time that fifty point on James Harden, and then averaging a triple double like Will Chamberlain, uh, Russell Westbrook disappears come playoff time, and then they fold up like a cheap suit, and they call it and like, and like a timid turtle, they crawl right back into their shell. Enough of the thunder and the rockets, please. Do 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 yourselves and do me and everybody else a favor. Win something in the postseason. Houston, stop whining and, and quit, stop stop whining and moaning and groaning and belly aching over a bunch of fake, phony, asinine calls that didn't exist in a game seven last year, which you spit the bit, missed twenty seven straight three pointers, and blew a double digit lead. Quit bell quit belly aching about that and tell James Harden to, to and tell James Harden to put the ball in the basket. And 
and and, and uh, OKC and OKC similar thing. I mean they, they I mean and, and OKC type of team that walks around and boasts like they've won eight championships. Paul George, well that's a bad shot. Uh, Damian Lillard. Well, ain't a bad shot because last time I checked, Damian Lillard's moving on with a game winner, and the whole city loves him. You're you're going you're going back home. So give me a break. Uh, I mean, enough of enough of Houston and uh, OKC. Back after this. Welcome back to I'm a Tell Like a TIS podcast. Uh, switching gears now to the sport of golf. Yes, golf. Because my main man, uh, one of my favorite golfers, one of my favorite—I mean, I don't know if you can call him an athlete—one of my favorite sports figures in the world, my main man, Tiger Woods, won the 2019 Masters this past April. Nobody was happier than me. If you saw, I tweeted out. I had my red Nike, red my red sun. I had my Sunday red ready with my red uh with my red Nike shirt and my uh, black pants. I was repping ready to go. I mean, I had the full Tiger outfit on because, I don't know, I I mean, he played well. He, I mean, he was average on the first, he was average on that first day. He played better the second day and like the more and more he continued, the better and better he got. Ugh, I mean, and, and, and I don't, you know, I never said it on the show, but I mean, family, my family members, my friends, and my grandmother especially can tell you. I remember having conversations with my grandmother talking about was Tiger Woods got another setback. Tiger Woods going to have another back surgery. Tiger Woods, you know, he ain't doing too well. He, you know, he he can't make the cut in these stories. He's getting it. He's still injured. He's getting these back operated. So I said, I, I, said, I, said, I said, look, I have a feeling. I said, I feel something inside. I will walk by faith and not by sight. I feel something inside. I got a funny, optimistic feeling that Tiger Woods will not only win another major, but that next major he'll win will be the Masters. And show sure enough, come 2019, did he did not, did he not do it? I mean, this is coming off of a 2018 Masters where he played absolutely horrifically, and then turned around later that year, that September, and won his first tournament in over 10 years. But I had a feeling. I said, look, I said, I just, I said, trust me on this. Trust me, I have. I got a feeling. I, I don't know if it was something spiritual from God or, or whatever it was. But I had a feeling that Tiger Woods was going to win the Masters, and I and I had a feeling it was going to be it was going to be sooner rather than later. And praise be the good Lord, has shown enough that that ever happened. Congratulations to Tiger Woods and winning the 2019 Masters. After all he's been through, the girlfriends and the, and the cheating scandal and the injuries and the DUI for being so. St- Drugged it's so high on painkillers because of his back and his injuries and everything else. I mean, your heart really goes out to him, and, and, and you really are proud. You you and you're, and you're proud to see it, see it, and you're proud to witness it. You know, he won the 2005 Masters, which probably this year was the last time he won the Masters. I was only two going on three years old, and my only memory of that Masters was this chipping that he had on 16. 
uh, with, that he had on 16 that, you know, Vern Lucas had to call everything. That's the only thing I remember about it. I don't remember him winning the... I don't remember him sinking in the winning putt. I don't remember him putting... That's all I remember is that chip shot. But this, honestly, is one of my first fluid memories of seeing Tiger Woods win a, win a, win a, uh, win a major golf tournament, win a big-time golf tournament. And, and sure enough, it's one of my favorite. Honestly, the Masters goes up with March Madness and the Super Bowl as my favorite events of the sports calendar. March Madness, Super Bowl, and, and the uh, and the Masters. I mean, the literally the Masters is the only. I mean, I, I don't care about the U.S. Open when Tiger, you know, Tiger's going to play the U.S. Open, of course, but. And any major that Tiger plays that I'm into, of course, especially now. But the Masters is, I mean, Augusta National with the green jacket. It's just like Jim Nance says, a traditional like any other. It's one of the most special and the most sacred golf, and the, the most sacred and special golf tournaments there is in on the uh, on the PGA. And... Uh, I was just so happy and so glad that he won the Masters, man. It, I was so happy and so relieved for that he won. And just like with Virginia winning the national championship, there was nobody on planet Earth that deserved to win that Masters championship than Tiger Woods. And he got the Presidential Medal of Honor Freedom. And I just hope and pray that it isn't the last time we see Tiger Woods supporting a green jacket as an active player on the PGA <coughs> excuse me, or as an active member of the PGA Tour. But this past weekend, though, was not a pretty weekend for Tiger. He basically took a month off without swinging a golf club. And it did, and his ideas and his plans, you know, it wasn't too wise of a decision as he didn't even make the cut to play in the weekend of the 2019 PGA Championship when Brooks Kepka, Kepkrat, Crumpet, Creepit, whatever his dopey name is. I just don't like the way his name is just Brooks Kepka. Just, I mean, he, I mean, you're a professional golfer and you walk around with a, with a supermodel of a girlfriend and you walk around thinking you're somebody like like who who are you you're a golfer like go away i live all these weeks you're a golfer you you play a fat you you play a f old fat man sport like shut up like go away please and then it says up here in front of national television and this is his girlfriend he's trying to give him a kiss like who, who is brooks kepka but anyway Tiger didn't make the cut in the 2019 PGA Championship. He didn't play well. Plenty of bogeys. He didn't putt real well. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's going to play, but he'll be ready. And he's announced that, <coughs> gee whiz. But uh, he's announced that he said that he will play in the tournaments in between the, the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open. And so he'll be ready to go for the U.S. Open in about a couple of weeks, around closer to Father's Day, but he'll be ready for that, and congratulations to Tiger Woods on that. Take one last break, and I'll touch on the NFL, including the NFL Draft, NFL Free Agency, and the situation going on with the Jets, GM, and Adam Gase, back after this. Welcome back to you. I'm telling you, TIS Podcast. Close out the show with some NFL 
lots has happened since the last time me and you, the uh, two of us uh, babbled away. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. traded to the Browns, of course. Uh, no longer a New York Giant. And Antonio Brown is no longer a Pittsburgh Steelers. That saga is over. He is now an Oakland Raider. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is now a New York Jet. Uh, anything else? That's just off the top of my head. Joe Flacco's a Denver Bronco. Uh, Joe is kind of like trying to be that middle man quarterback for Denver to see if they, with a good defense still trying to have the Broncos be competitive while Elway is still trying to look for a quarterback who really hasn't found a quarterback since uh, he got Peyton Manning off the Colts hands but uh, Elway has been a complete bust as far as the quarterbacks from Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler and everything else uh, then they sent Case Keenum packing to uh, Washington, who has to fight with Dwayne Haskins, who the Redskins drafted out of Ohio State, to try to take the starting quarterback position until, you know, Alex Smith either hangs it up for good or comes back from that broken leg injury that he suffered against uh, Houston back in uh, mid-November. But... But uh, that's the story with that. Uh, with the uh, Browns, you know, they got a highly. They got also got Kareem Hunt now. They got uh, Hunt off of the uh, Chiefs. But uh, and uh, D four, he's now an Arizona Cardinal. After you know, he gets. He, think about that for a minute. You cost the Chiefs a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you get a pay raise as your reward. Even though it's a different team, but still you get a pay raise. Just how how ironic that is. But D Ford's an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, OBJ, he's now a Cleveland Brown. Uh, the Cleveland Browns look interesting. Not a lock to go to the Super Bowl, but they definitely look interesting. But keep in mind that all it takes is one bad rough start, one bad go around for that team. And with the big egos and the selfish, arrogant attitudes of Mayfield and OBJ, that team will go down. Will go down a. Will go down a hell so. Will go downhill so fast. It will. It will make your head spin, and, and it will. Uh, if you're a Browns fan, it will drive you crazy. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Antonio Brown's going to Oakland. Don't expect Oakland to be a big time winner of anything. I mean, they, for Christ's sake, they got Mike Mayock, an NFL analyst, to be their new GM, who doesn't even have any say as John Gruden tries to be Bill Belichick and control the roster and everything else. That team is going to be an utter mess and utter disgrace when they head into uh, Las Vegas come 2020. Uh,. But as far as the draft is concerned, I mentioned that the Redskins drafted D.K. Melcalf. Not D.K. Melcalf. The Seahawks drafted D.K. Melcalf, who's going to replace Doug Baldwin, who got cut about a week or two ago because him being injured and unhealthy, he didn't, uh, he didn't do well in his physical. So by rule, the Seahawks had to cut him and release him of his uh, receiving duties. So D.K. Mocaf, the big, strong, built wide receiver out of Old Miss, is going to try to take his spot. While the Redskins, I mentioned, draft Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Metcalf is out of Old Miss, but Dwayne Haskins is out of Ohio State. Uh, 
Uh, Brandon, I know, fan, fan of guests of the program. I know he was hyped and, ups and excited about that. Next time we have him on, I'll make sure to bring it up to him. Uh, Giants fell flat on their face drafting Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke. You know, when was the last time a quarterback came out of Duke? In, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback came out of Duke. Okay, we... Anyone that has a grip on sports and knows sports knows that Duke is a lacrosse is a is a lacrosse and a, and a basketball institution as far as sports is concerned. You know, if you're looking for baseball players, if you're looking for football players, don't expect to look towards Duke, or else you'll get some pretty bad or average at best ball players at those playing for those playing those sports coming out of that program. You know, Duke Duke is is basketball and lacrosse and lacrosse. No, those those two sports is that is that school's bread and butter. Lacrosse, Duke Duke men's lacrosse and Duke men's basketball with Coach K and Zion Williamson playing a NCAA tournament. That that my friends is Duke Blue Devil sports. My Daniel Jones playing you know blue, playing Blue De Blue Devils football against Virginia. Virginia Tech, no, 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 and the Giants with a really asinine decision to draft them when they could have drafted Haskins or waited later if they were that sold on Daniel Jones and Gettleman, you know, Mr. Cocky who thinks who thinks he invented the game of football, who thinks he invented the game of football, you know, thinks he knows what's best and uh, he will quickly learn that he ha he has nothing and knows nothing. Um, being a GM at the NFL level, and don't sit up here and give me the Panther stuff because that was a team, that was a team and a roster he inherited. So keep that in mind as well. And even then, when they made in 2015, they got absolutely dominated by by a shell of himself, Peyton Manning and C.J. Anderson in, in the Super Bowl. So, so you also so you also have to. Uh, Keep that into account as well. With the uh, with the Jets, right quick, and I'm glad I got the physical copy of the, the Daily News in front of me. Uh, the Jets, who like I mentioned earlier, signed Le'Veon Bell. He he and Antonio Brown have shown up at OT. He 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 and Odell. I don't know about Antonio Brown, but I know he and Odell aren't showing up at OTAs. Which is completely asinine because being a new member of a new team coming from a dysfunctional situation, you think you want to make a good impression on your coach, your boss, the fans, everybody else, and the media and everybody else. You know, make a good impression saying, hey, I'm going to leave the circus. I'm going to leave the BS back where I came where I came from. I'm here now. It's a new change of scenery, new place, new team, new everything, new uniform. I'm about business, so let's go in with these OTAs and, and uh, put in the work. More Odell than than Le'Veon Bell. All Le'Veon Bell has to do is 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 uh, is know the plays and and just know how to uh, take the ball from from Sam Darnold, from shotgun, from pistol, from the eye formation, from the single back formation to you know the, the two back shotgun formation. That's it. Odell, they, Odell and Baker, they gotta get, they gotta get in sync with the route running and 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 stop and go routes and and the seven yard out towards the sideline and the, and the post routes and the hitch, hitch routes and the flats and the 
and the post routes and the uh, and the goal routes and everything. That's stuff that you got to get down in OTAs. So you so when the time, <coughs> excuse me, so when they get ready for it and when the time comes for them to uh, execute, come uh, come September and October they'll be they'll be ready to do it. But with the Jets and their situation, they fired their GM McCagnan because because Adam Gates all of a sudden thinks he's Weeby Eubank coming in here telling telling the Jets what to do. I mean, give me a break. I mean, this this is a guy this is a guy that made the playoffs one time as a member of, as a Dolphins coach and got ran out the building by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So please who 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 is Adam Gates? I mean, and look, let me just read you this. This is in the Daily News on Friday, twenty four. Let me just it's how ruthless the New York media can be. Just listen to this. Quote, Adam Gase's world is a wonderfully insulated place where accountability is a myth. <laughs> the ends always justify the means and the and the half-truths rule the day. The new king of the Jets universe spun a fantastic tale Thursday in his first press conference. This is a brilliant move to seize a leadership void in an eternally dysfunctional organization by a neophyte owner. <laughs> This is this this is from Manish Meta of the New York Daily News. I mean, just just let me just tell you, I mean, they're not being all of you non-New Yorkers listening to this and, and people who haven't lived in New York and aren't born and raised. That that this this is just the opening paragraph. I mean, they this New York media shows no mercy and a big bold headline uh, before the article is "Don't look at me." And they say Gates shows zero accountability after McCagan and Ouster. And they hit it right on the head. I mean, I'm not gonna read I'm not gonna read the whole article. And you can find it for yourself, but I mean, absolutely right. I mean, he showed no accountability. What, because what, because they didn't get along and because McCagan kinda told Gates to kinda, you know, stay out the way as far as the draft process is concerned. Well, I get it, the GM hasn't done anything either. But granted, he drafted Sam Darnold and made, and found a way to get Le'Veon Bell in onto your team. Not 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 to mention size. C.J. Mosley was a pretty good linebacker from Baltimore to help bolster their defense. It's, he I mean he actually tried to contribute to make the Jets a non laughing stock and 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 try to and try and contributed to the Jets not trying to be a. Uh, to be a Patriot doormat in 2019, you know, they're, they're trying to get to seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, ten and six at best. And Adam Gates, because he doesn't like the way the GM kind of doesn't want his nose in the drafting process for whatever the reason. That's that's he's so he's gonna sit up here and tattle to the Johnsons, one of which which is Trump's ambassador to Ireland and the other one that doesn't have a clue he's gonna sit up here and snitch and squeal to ownership to get him fired. I mean that that's low and pretty pathetic if you ask me. I mean this is Adam Geese who has done nothing as an as an NFL head coach outside of outside of getting the uh uh, the Miami Dolphins' uh, wild card berth in 2017, and they laid a complete. And I, and I know Matt Moore was in the game, but outside of a playoff, outside of a nine and seven season, a wild card berth in 2017, they a complete. They laid a complete fat egg in the playoff game against 
against Pittsburgh. And other than that, he's done absolutely nothing. I mean, what is Ryan the Tannehill supposed to be? Bob Greasy or uh, Dan Marino? I mean, give me a break. Who in the world is Adam Gase? I mean, gee, he just—he literally just put you in the best chance to go nine and seven, ten and six, and with and with a uh, and with a wild and puts your team in a situation where they could have a they could clinch a playoff spot come week fourteen, week fifteen, and because you don't like the way he told you to piss off about fooling around and meddling with the draft, you're gonna sit up here and snitch on him and tell the owner. That that's a joke. That 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 that's not right. Who, who in the world is Adam Gase? I mean, can Adam Gase win something and win a jet something first before he's gonna sit up here and and play Mister Dictatorship and Mister uh, Fascism and, and and try and, and get uh, GMs kicked out by ratting them out to ownership? Saying, well, I don't like this guy. This guy ain't gonna me. Start crying and crying and moaning and belly aching like a sissy. And it's gonna sit up here and get him fired. Give me a break. But anyway, that that's, that's what it is with the Jets. I mean, they can't get out of their own way. That's typical Jets. They've done nothing since their Super Bowl three championship, and if they don't straighten up and fly right soon, that sh that championship list streak will continue. Huh, it was good to be back on the Until I Can Tell is podcast. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have an episode for you next weekend. But in the meantime, I'm Jai Shields. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If it's your first time listening to this podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you have friends and relatives out there, co-workers, school uh, classmates, acquaintances that are into sports talk and would find this podcast interesting, find it entertaining, and find it informative, be sure to share it, text message, social media, where, email, wherever, whatever the way you do it. Uh, uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you like what you heard, I'm Jai Shields. Thanks for listening. I'm signing out. Have a safe and a blessed Memorial Day weekend. Take care. Next time I'll talk to you, I'll be 17 years old. So happy birthday to me. Y'all take care.